So one of the terms that I'll use is a term called selfing. Yeah? Now, the, when selfing is used, what I, I am attempting to imply is there's a mental process that produces the sense of self. Yeah? You, didn't, you weren't born with a sense of self. You sort of had to grow into it. So the mind, the brain had to get it strong enough or build enough to a point where this one aspect, one mental process, was uh, able to take off, which is I would call selfing. Now, selfing can never produce a self. It can only appear to be a self, yes? So when one is listening, not hearing, because hearing is conscious contact, listening is a little different. When one is listening to the mental process, the, what you would call your narrator or that voice in your head, that, I would say, is selfing. And usually when you are listening to selfing, there's a feeling of a you that's listening to it, yeah? And that you refers or implies or vaguely points at a body, being a body. Yeah? So the sense of a you that you feel to be the one that's doing the listening or doing the thinking or having the feeling is a you. Now that feeling of being you is produced by the selfing. So the selfing goes on, and it's sort of like K-Paul. It's like a radio station that's like, it's like a, a faux news station, yeah? Mostly propaganda, very biased, all about you, yeah? From <laughs> and as it's going on, there's listening to it. There's hearing it, which is consciousness, and then there's listening to it. The listening is when the mental process claims to be the one that's listening to it or hearing it, yes? Now it's I'm listening to it. That feeling of being a you is produced by the selfing. But the feeling feels like you were there before the production occurs. Yeah? In other words, it feels like you're doing it or it's being done to you. But in, in a sense, that feeling is at the end of the selfing. It's not prior to the selfing. Yeah? It's produced by the selfing. And if you didn't have a thought system, there would, no, there would be no sense of being a self. If there wasn't a thought system that was reinforcing that idea constantly, because it has to, constantly, has to constantly reinforce something that isn't so. Because if it isn't so, if it's not reinforced, it will be seen not to be so. Yes? Because, in fact, it isn't so. So it has to be constantly reinforced. That's why you never just obsess to a certain point and then that's self. There's always obsession with self. Yeah? It's an ongoing activity of mind. You, you, it seems like your interest and attention is constantly wedded to any thought or any feeling or any situation that refers to you. Yeah? And you can have an immunity about anything that refers to someone else. Yeah? You could give a shit, basically. It's the interest, it's that attention that weds you to the idea of being the self. That interest and attention gets captured by the selfing. And that's all it is. If you can see that possibly you may not be that idea of being a self, then your interest and attention will, be, will lose interest and attention in that and will gain interest, like we say in recovery, in others. Yeah. So what I found, very simply explained, if another girl, if a woman sitting in this other room that I'm interested in, and I'd like to go out with her, let's say, and I'm supposed to be doing a talk, but I'm really, my interest is basically into listening to what she has to say, because I'm hoping she says something about me. Like, I like that guy, Paul, or something, yeah? Which will be my little in to ask her out, let's say. So my interest is really going there, even though I'm supposed to be doing something here. I can't seem to draw my interest away, because it means a lot to me if I get to see this lady. 
All right? Now someone comes up and throws a book on the table, says, how to lose interest in conversations in other rooms. I page through it, but still it doesn't help. Yeah? Because my mind is keenly interested in that. What happens if I hear her starts talking and she's talking about Matt, and my name is Paul? What happens? I lose interest immediately, don't I? It's not about me. I lose interest in it. My interest, I don't have to take a workshop of how to lose interest. I don't have to go on a retreat to pull my interest away from that. All I have to do is realize it's not about me, and the interest just boomerangs back. Yes. Just like that. Just like that. That's exactly what happens with selfing. If you lose interest in the idea of being a self, if that self that's being produced, you have it a, a feeling it may not be you, your interest and attention is, gets lost. It doesn't. In, it's not interested in that anymore. And then it seeks its own solution. Yeah. It finds a place to rest that's more like it, which is no thingness. Interest and attention isn't being done by a body. It's moving through this body. Yeah. Interest and attention is from no thingness. So when it's relieved from this bondage to this idea of being a thing, this body, it returns to the source of what it truly is, which is no thing. Yeah. And now it pays attention to the no-thingness in life. And what happens is, when that starts occurring, you travel lighter as the seeming thing. Yeah. All that interest and attention is what's, is what's really weighing you down when it's removed from that object of fixation and put into a sense of its own nature, which is no-thingness. This does better. Yeah. This travels a lot lighter. And then that light, that traveling light, stabilizes. And instead of an experience, that's how it is. Yeah. You have experiences within it, but the basic state is relaxation and ease and comfort. A recognition that this is now and there and then don't exist in a sense. Yeah. Which is where the mind in selfing lives. It lives in time. In selfing, the mind in selfing has no value here except to use here to think about there and then. Because there and then, you appear. Because the only way you can think about you in the past is as a body. Yeah. When you and I go in the past with thought, how does the thought present us as a body? And when we're worrying about you in the future, how is that you presented by the thought system as a body? Yeah. So the body takes this idea, this identification, the mind takes this identification as a body, it uses it as a fixed object that it can obsess over anywhere else at any other time. That's what it does. So here is just its, its opportunity to think about there and then. That's all it sees here for. And if you believe you're here, I'm telling you, you're in a mental here, which is not here. It's a there and then. Yeah? Every thought is, is coming from the past, and it's just speculating the same situation in the future. That's all it's doing. You've never had a new thought. They're all rethinking, refeeling, rehashing. It just goes on and on and on. It's like running in the same track, and every few laps they change the scenery so it looks different. Yeah. So instead of your girlfriend being Susan, it's now Mary, so you think it's all different. Instead of living in Toronto, it's New York City, so it's all different. Yeah. But it's the same old, same old, lap after lap after lap after lap after lap. And it's all about you. It's called the bondage of self. And it is a bondage. For what we are to take ourselves to be a body is a bondage. Yeah? 
It cannot actually be so, so the truth about the bondage is it doesn't exist, but you don't know that until you're in the solution. And when you're in the solution, you realize the problem is imaginary. That the bondage only appeared to be bondage. You have never not been freed. Really, that's that, actually. There are absolutes. And when the mind rests on an absolute, it echoes constantly. You're onto something, yeah. When there's a sense that you are not a self, there's a very strong sense that comes over that you never were a self. Yeah? And that you never could possibly ever be a self. That's freedom from the bondage of self. And in that freedom, you know the problem by the solution. The effects of the problem recedes, and now you know its its sense of causation, because the effects left, yeah? So you know it by the solution. And the solution is that the problem's imaginary. And the best way to get out of something is to realize you've never been in it. Any other form of getting out takes time. That form of getting out, the realization you were never in, never take doesn't take one second. It doesn't. The realization, the best way to get out is to see that you were never in. Yeah? What would you need to do if something that wasn't actually happening seemed to be driving you crazy? What would you need to do? If you recognize it wasn't happening, what more would you need to do? If I'm sitting here, yet my head is obsessing over something else in the future, and that is producing an effect here in the body, like I'm contracting and I'm worried and nervous, and yet no one else is picking up this contagion because it's not happening to them. It's only happening in my own little porno theater up here. Yeah? Then what would be my solution to that? <laughs> Understanding it, or just recognize that it's not happening. Stop thinking. Hmm? You can't stop thinking about it, can you? If you could have stopped thinking about it, you, you, you would have used that solution yeah, a long time ago. Tell yourself it's just a thought. That's also thinking about it. Realizing it's not happening. Yeah. What more do you need to do? Exactly. <laughs> When you realize what's not happening, there's a pause. That pause is it. That's it. That is the solution. That pause. That pause of mind is eternal. That pause. Yeah? If you listen to people share, especially at these meetings, they'll describe how wonderful they like the message and everything, and then they use the word but, and then the world starts. <laughs> then they say, but, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yes? Yeah? Before, all right, talk about how wonderful this is, and instead of that but, maybe allow it just to be a pause. And at that moment, you have a beautiful free sample of what it's like, yeah? You have an infinite moment in what it looks like a linear bit of moment, yeah? A pause. But that pause can change your whole life. In that little pause, there's an infinite amount of possibility shows up.
So this thing we were talking about today at this interview. When this is identified as a self, this becomes a subject, yes? And everything else is an object to it. So, in this point, let's say there's conscious contact moving through this body. So there's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. This consciousness is in contact through these gates of the senses. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And in Buddhism they call the mind the sixth sense. And let's say thoughts are like a bird that your eye would see. The mind sees thoughts. Yeah. But let's just see the five gates. So there we are. In con- this is conscious contact. That's why there's life. Yeah. Consciousness is in contact through this object. Let's say this is sort of like a camera. Yeah? And then light comes into the camera. And then the, ca- the light disperses the light and differentiates it. And then we see things. Yeah? But consciousness comes in and has to go through this to see itself as objects, yeah, let's say. So consciousness is in contact. Now the mental process arises and says, I'm the one who's in contact, doesn't it? So like Buddha said, when you see, see, when you hear, hear, when you feel, feel, when you taste, taste, when you touch, touch. But our experience usually is when touching happens, I'm the toucher, yeah? When seeing happens, I'm the seer. When feeling happens, I'm the feeler. When tasting happens, I'm the taster. It's quite different than when you see, see. When you hear, hear. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. When you touch, touch. That's conscious contact. The mental interpretation of that is, when seeing is noted, I'm the seer. When hearing is happening, I'm the hearer. When feeling is going on, I'm the feeler. I'm meaning this, yes? So here in this room, we're all sitting here, and my experience is I'm seeing you. Giselle, I'm seeing you. I'm seeing Marie. So the same experience is happening where you're sitting. But in this case, Paul's a you. I, coming from there, sees you. This, yeah? So let's say, in my experience, all of you are yous. If there's only 20 of you, you're still all yous. If there's 800 of you, there's all, you're all yous. If there's 8 billion of you, there's still all yous. Yeah? The experience I would have, no matter how few or many yous there was, would be the same one. I am seeing you. Yes? So there's the I. I would say that's consciousness. Seeing an object that the mental process calls you. Yeah? Now, in this experience of where you are at, it's I there seeing this, which is a you, isn't it? And if I got 800 people, I'd be a you, to every one of them. If I got 8 billion people in here, I'd be a you, yes? If everyone voted, all right, I'm going to ask very objectively, what are you seeing right now? They'd all yell in unison, you! Yeah? All right, so what happens? So the eye is what's seeing, and it's seeing thousands and millions of views. Yes? What ha- how, how does this happen? So there's the recognition of I, and I ask myself, who is it that's seeing? Yeah? And I say, it's me. All right, what happened there? There's the eye, which I would say is what's seeing, but then the mental process claims it and says, oh, who is this I? And it says, it's me. Now, what's the me? 
but an identified you, isn't it? In other words, in your experience, you have a cleaner experience of what this is than I do. You're calling it a you, which is very obvious. But when I ask what it is, I say it's me. And in this millions of views, there's only one me. Yeah? And there's never going to be more than one me. No matter how many yous I run into, it's always going to be me that's running into them. Yeah? What is that move? There's the awareness, consciousness, the I, the mental process, checks it out, claims it, and calls it me. And what, it, what it's calling me is just an identified you, isn't it? This you is the only one this mind is identified with, and it calls it me. It's not identified with all these other yous, and it calls it you. But in this case, it's identified with this you, and it calls it me. That is the bondage of self, yeah? The I is forgotten, so now you're not aware of consciousness in contact. You believe you're the one that's in contact. And therefore, consciousness, consciousness now not a state becomes an activity you do or don't do. So I've been really conscious this today or I'm unconscious today. Yes? Based on who? On you. Isn't it? This is what they call playing God in recovery. It's the essence of playing God. The mental process is claiming consciousness as an act it's doing. Yeah? And therefore, that act can be manipulated into degrees of being more or less unconscious based on what? You. Instead of consciousness being based on I. When consciousness is being based on I, it's always available at all times, just as you seem to be and just as it is. When it's based on me, all these regulations and degrees of, of access and non-access and infrequency and frequencies are all set up. Yeah? As soon as it's you that's conscious, I bet you you are going to feel unconscious quite a lot. Yeah? But when you, if you bypass the you and the me, the I is consciousness. Yeah? Consciousness. Its, its nature is of being conscious. It doesn't lose or add on to that nature. That's its nature. It is consciousness. It's not a variable. It's not something that has degrees. It's not like an accordion that you play. Like this. It is something that is recognized, or let's say not even recognized, it's something that is seen from, instead of from the interpretation that that I is me. As soon as the I becomes me, it's a form of looking called self-centeredness. In other words, as soon as the I becomes me, it, that form of looking is called self-centeredness, causes me to be the subject. Me is this, and everything else is an object. Just like awakening becomes an object to me. Enlightenment becomes an object to me. The truth becomes an object to me. The idea of God becomes an object to me. And like the, this great master Ramana Maharshi said, when you know God, be God. Yeah? When you know God, that's being God. But in this way, from this conditional selfing, when you know something, you're the knower. It never reaches being. You just know, you become a knower of God, or a lover of God, or an affiliate of God. But you never you're never being God. Yeah. This form of knowledge, direct knowledge, is what you know. You see to be. Yes. You are that. You are not something that's conscious. You are consciousness. You are the I 
that's seen in, out of every one head. Every one of us has the same description of what's happening. I am seeing you. Every one of us in this room. The clarity is in the eye. Yes? The identification is in the you, which produces the sense of me. The clarity is of I. The identification of the mind with the body produces the sense of you, which produces me. Yeah? We're not getting, we're, we're blending the I and the you and making it a me, like a hybrid. Yeah? Which they have nothing to do with each other. I is I. Me is nothing. You is an object. I is no thing. This is thingness. The nothing passes through the thingness and is able to see thingness from no thingness. But the I never forgets its I. It's the you that's taking itself to be me that forgets the I. So once the me occurs, then it's subject-object. Two-ness can never know oneness. Two-ness is never going to merge into oneness. Two-ness is never going to merge into oneness. It's recognizing there is no two-ness, that's oneness. Yeah? It's not like moving from two-ness into oneness. It would only be jamming two things into one. Yeah? It's recognizing there is no two things. There is no subject-object. This is an object, and there's only subjectivity. Yes? then there's no movement from two to one, there's only one. And that's that. That's like a pause that never stops pausing. That's where the mind finds rest, because it leaves self-centeredness, which is the source of all the agitation, and it enters centeredness, which is where it rests. And that driving for seeking relief is changed as a, as a way of achieving, achieving something that cannot be achieved, and then you, all you do is live or express relief instead of looking for it. Yeah? You see life as an expression modality, not as a place to shop and acquire and get something, but to actually express what's already so. And it just doesn't stay there. It infuses the attitude and outlook. So now you don't have experiences of gratitude. That's how you see things, from a grateful point of view. Yeah? That irritable restlessness of discontent, that agitation, that selfing can never complete itself. You know? It can never find fulfillment because it can't become what it wants to be. It can't, it cannot leave its own nature to become the nature of a body. So basically, selfing is always the desiring to become, yeah, all day. It's just desiring to become, yet it can never reach climax or completion because it can't be. That's why it never stops. It's just obsessing with self, obsessing with self, because for self to appear, it must be obsessed around, yeah. What's not so can only appear so, with a lot of verbing. Of course, 
if this is its desire to be self and it can never fulfill it, then it's unfulfilled. Yeah? In that unfulfillment, it's seeking fulfillment. And it's looking to outside things to get fulfillment from that unfulfilled. And yet they always leave you empty also. And yet addictions beget more addictions and more addictions because the primary addiction of mind to self isn't seen. Yeah? And it's not even a second of seeing dispels the whole myth, really. It's really like you are the seeing of what you're not, really. That's it. You are the seeing of what you're not. You are not the seer of what you're not. That would be what you're not. You are not a noun. You are not a subject. You are the seeing of what you're not. The seeing, a living verb, is seeing. And all it can see is what it's not. It can never see what it is. The hearer is never going to be heard, ever. You're never going to hear it. What's hearing cannot be heard. What's seeing cannot be seen. What's feeling cannot be felt. It's subjectivity. It's no thingness. It's what you'd like to call spirit, maybe. It doesn't take form. It moves through form doesn't take form. Yeah? So when this thing takes itself to be subject, of course it's looking for the other subject as a thing. And it's not going to be able to find it. Like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. Yeah? What's looking is what you're looking for. He doesn't say who's looking, he says what's looking. Because what's looking ain't a who. <laughs> it's not a thing. Yeah? The where the confusion is, is the you that's looking for. Because the you that's looking for is me. Yeah? And that me can't see what's, lo what's looking. It can only look for what's looking. Yeah? It can't see it because it doesn't have the vision to see no thingness. All it is, all it can see is things. Concepts, objects, feelings, they're all things. Yeah? It can't see no thingness. But if you're not that you, that's called me, then you are what's looking. Yeah? That's how direct it is. Knowing God is being God. Very direct. It's not knowing God makes you get closer to God. No. Knowing God be makes that's being God. You can't get closer than that. then the influence of selfing wanes in your life. Yes? Your mind loses interest in it. Its attention leaves it because it's not about you anymore. You found the I, not the you, that turned into a me. You're now resting in the I. And once that mind lays in the I, it finds true rest. And that rest isn't begot by agitation or seeking or anything like that. It's rest upon rest upon rest upon rest upon rest. Yeah. And then the mind is freed, its interest and attention is freed from this constantly rebirthing of selfing and now lives in the completeness of being. Complete being is not trying to fulfill itself. It already is. Yeah? It's not trying to seek 
uh, a loop of finally achieving itself. It's already been totally achieved. Yeah? It's not of time, so it takes no practices to become, because it's being. Yeah? It's free from all the restraints of this dream we seem to be in. It overrides all of them. Yeah? Every moment appears in this, in this context. This is rest. This is when mind rests. And then your life will show that. Because that mind in rest will seek expression just like all mind seeks expression. And it'll seem like you start traveling lighter and it stabilizes. Yeah. It doesn't say it promises the geography of life to change, but the tr- you'll be able to travel lighter over it all. Yes? Because you will have been relieved from the bondage of self, the heaviest thing you've been carrying all this time. It's put down, and you walk away, and you don't look back, because it's not about you. (laughs) And then there's no... There's no misreading true satisfaction. <laughs> you don't need a, a validation from an outside source or a scripture. It's like an unspoken yes. Yeah, It just reverberates its own conviction. <laughs> You're on to something. something that can't be sold. (laughs) It's already in your possession. (laughs) My job is to become obsolete, literally. (laughs) I'm just an inviter. (laughs) Invite you (laughs) to question what's looking and then maybe you'll start seeing. Yeah? Yeah? All you need to do is question what's looking and maybe you'll start seeing. The seeing is very clear. Yeah, it's got a clear vision. It's not a pair of glasses. There's no distortion in the lenses. Yeah, every form of looking is a pair of glasses. Every form of looking, starting from self-centeredness to all the other corrective lenses we try to practice to correct this distortion of self-centeredness, they're all forms of looking which are inherently blind to the seeing. They're inherently blind to the natural seeing. The point is, is most of us take these glasses called self-centeredness as our eyes, because we're identified as the body, we can't see that these can be taken off also. Yes? And then seeing can occur. Because that's all that is occurring. This, this original lens is, is distorting the seeing. And now we're trying to correct this distortion instead of just taking them off. Yeah? We're trying to correct uh, uh, a, a circumstantial distortion because we take it to be us, we think it's real. Yeah? But if you're not that, you will see that this can be taken off. Then there's no need of glasses because in the scene there's no distortion. It's clear as clear. Yeah? It's the self sentence that distorts the scene. And then we get Buddhism to try to correct that distortion. Then we get Zen to try to correct the distortion of, 
let's say, conservative Buddhism. Then we get throw some tantra in to try to correct that distortion. And so on and so forth. And all we're doing is seeking for a new pair of glasses all the time. Maybe just question the first pair that you call in your eyes. Maybe those can be taken off. Yeah? Put them down and let's see what happens. You may not be driven to go to the optometrist. You may not need another pair of glasses in. Yeah. <laughs> you've gotten the correction you've always been looking for. There was no need of a correction. <laughs> you just had to take the glasses off. But how can you take them off if you think they're yours, if you think they're you? Yes? That's the whole dilemma in recovery. You're identified with what's driving you crazy, so you can't entertain being free of it. That's the same thing with everyone who's suffering from self-centeredness. They're identified with, is what, with the source that's driving them crazy. In that logic, the mind can't entertain being free from it. It can entertain being free as it, which is what's driving all of its seeking. It's trying to become free as a self, instead of from self. Yeah? That's the whole little bit of a, ch a change. You stop seeking relief as self or for self, but you seek relief from self. Yeah? And to me, the relief from self is I'm not that. I'm not that, because what's causing you to be in a circle of influence is you're taking it to be you. Your interest and intention has you wedded to the self thing. Yeah? You're watching every birth, every day becoming a loser that day, or becoming a winner, or becoming, 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 yes? It never beco you never are, it's always becoming, becoming, becoming. You're like a, a never-ending urban renewal project. It's always going on, new additions, new this, new that, yes? Always. What has you in that situation, seemingly, is the intention and interest, yes? When the interest and attention is wedded to selfing, there's a strong feeling of being you. You believe there's a strong feeling of you that's obsessed with self. The obsession with self produces the strong feeling of you. see the sky, yeah? Big sky. Usually when you describe the sky, you're usually describing the clouds in it, right? Basically. So, but we're going to talk about the sky. Let's use the sky as an example of mind. In Buddhism, they talk it like open sky mind. So let's say the sky is like mind. Okay? And let's say there's the 4th of July explosions in the sky. Does that sky get opened up by the explosions? Let's say it starts raining. Does the sky get wet, or does the earth get wet? Yeah? Rain seems to pass through the sky and hits the earth, and doesn't, and then it lands and wet. Yes? Let's say a plane's flying through the sky. Does the plane, but I've never heard of it, has the plane ever called the terminal and said, hey, I ran into a big bunch of sky up here, what do I do? No. It seems to be moving quite freely in the sky, yes? Thousands of birds have migrated through that sky, Thousands of thousands of times, yes? With no trace of any of them in there. Not one trace have they left, have they? Once they pass, they've passed, as if they were never there, yeah? 
You don't see, oh, that's so, I can see that vague outline of that duck from 2004. No, <laughs> you don't see it. It's not like an object for something to tattoo on. Yeah? It's just a space that allows things to appear in it. Yeah? That, I would say, is what mind is like. So, all these mental states are arising, all these thoughts, all these feelings, all of these things that are being engaged through consciousness and made contact with are arising. And these mental states keeps appearing, but in the state, the spacious state of mind. Yeah? And whatever appears in a mind has no effect on the mind, basically. It, doesn't, it's no, it has no tattooing agents. It doesn't leave any lasting impression. It comes and goes, yes? So in a sense, from the sky's point of view, everything that appears in it has no effect, basically. Yes? So here, here I am sitting in this room, and here's this chair. Let's say this chair has been a very, it's a very famous chair. A lot of famous asses have sat in this chair. <laughs> and a lot of profound things have been said from this chair. So everyone sees the chair, right? You can see it. Now what would happen if I moved the chair away? The only way you could quote-unquote see the chair is to remember it, yeah? You wouldn't be seeing it anymore. And then let's ask, let's just ask ourselves, all right, if I took this chair away, did I have to rush into the chair closet and take a size space that fit that chair? Because obviously the chair was taking up space, wasn't it? I mean, it's a real solid thing. It must have been, had its own, its own uh, quality. Yeah? So I, mu- I have to move very quickly the space that has the shape of this chair, so that you wouldn't see, which would blow your mind, the void. <laughs> so I rush in, I put the space in, and before you, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's cool, all right. Yeah? But no, when I move this chair, I don't have to move any space in, do I? Like this. If I move the chair, did you see that? That was a fast move. See? It looked like I moved the chair and moved the space in, and didn't even notice it. Let me do it more slowly, so you can see the trick. See, I move the chair. Where does it, where's the void, and when does the space fill back up? No, no. So, alright, so there it is. There's the space. Now, where could I find the effects of the chair? In the space, or on other appearances? I can see that it had effects on this floor, right? And I banged it last night, and it says a mark on the wall. But here, there's no effects, are there? The chair had no effects on the space, did it? It only had effect on other things that were appearing in the space. Yes? So, in a sense, look at the difference now between the chair and me. Alright? You're seeing me, aren't you? Or what you call you. <laughs> that's more, actually, that's clearer. You're seeing you. Yeah? And then I, this you, see, I, I said the right thing. I, but when I'm walking around, I think it's me. I, I left. But say it's me. Now you can't see me. Yeah? You can only remember me that I was sitting there. Now, did, it, did I take up any space? Did I have to move space in where I was? No? So basically, I'm an appearance in space. Actually, I'm an appearance as space, really. Yeah? Yeah? yeah. And, then, and then, all right, so where would I show an effect? All right, if I hit my arm here really hard, it would hurt, right? If this appearance hit this appearance, this appearance would register some, some pain. This probably wouldn't because it's a different material, right? But oh, ah, shit. Yeah? But now, am I showing, can I affect the space? No, 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 no. So in a sense, from the space's point of view, I have no reality because I have no effect. None. Right? Yeah. 
So what would be, which is more so, in a sense, the appearance that's in the space or the space that it's appearing in? I would say the space that it's appearing in. Yeah? And if the spaces that it's appearing in is allowing the appearance actually to happen, because without space you would never be able to see me, then I would say that's like my mother and father. Yes? That I'm actually more space than I am the appearance. Because in fact, this appearance hasn't taken up any space. It is space. Yeah? So after the appearance has come and gone, what's going to be there? Space. Yeah? So what, in a sense, doesn't come and go is the space. What comes and goes is the appearance. Now, if I was a betting man, I think I'd put my money on space, yeah, than the appearance, because the appearance is going to come and go. The space seems to always be so, yeah? I would say we're more space than we are a thing. I would say we're more mind or more spirit than we are a thing. I would say that spirit is moving through a thing right now. And what I say, when I say I'm seeing, that's not actually, that is actually true. The eye is seeing. But when I take it to be this body, if I die and my eye didn't get hurt, and you could take my eye out and put in a live body and it would see. It would facilitate seeing out of that live body. But it's never facilitating another seeing out of this dead body. So what's the difference? That alive, that animated space, yes, is not animating the body anymore. Yes? All the ability to see is there, but what what actually causes the seeing isn't, in a sense. It's not activating. Yes? So I would say that's what we are. We are what can't be seen. We are what can't be felt. We are what can't be heard. Because it's the hearing. It's the seeing. It's the feeling. We're trying to know ourselves as a noun, and the only way we can be ourselves is a verb. We want to know ourselves as a noun, yet the only way we can be ourselves is a verb. We are not the seer, we are not the hearer, we are not the feeler, we are not the toucher. We're the seeing, the feeling, the hearing, the touching. The mind shifts, emphasis, and then what you call your experience is going to change. Sometimes very profoundly. And you'll know the tree by the fruit. You will know the problem by the solution. You hit it on the head because all those freaking effects from that head has now been dismissed. So you're on to something, yes? Now the mind is calibrated in another way. It has the ability to pick up nothingness. So you sense a presence where all you saw was emptiness, space, and then waiting for a thing to appear. Now, when things appear and disappear, your eyes are on the space that they're appearing and disappearing in. Yes? Your eye gets trained to sense nothing. You sense the presence of nothingness, which is always present. A thing will never always be present. It comes and goes. But nothingness doesn't come or go. It's always present. Yes? It's always available. It's always available at all time, because it's not of time. Yes? This is a place to rest. Of 
course, people hear this message, and sometimes it really resonates, and then they go home and think about it, <laughs> and then it's made into something. And this isn't about getting another something. We've already had tons of somethings. And if you total them all up, they added up to nothing. So we're trying to start with nothing to begin with, yeah? Just receive nothing. No thing. A message of nothing. Yeah? And let's see what it does, yeah? It may produce the most something in your life. <laughs> you may be stunned. <laughs> it may be the gift that keeps on giving. Nothing. <laughs> moment is the most valuable of all moments because it's the only moment 
So your mind now is resting in what can be rested in and is investing in what can be invested in, which is now. It's not putting it into the bank of lost returns of self, you know, past and future. Of course it's going to affect your expression here. You're going to travel later. I haven't, you know, in recovery it says something can happen to you where the problem will not exist for you. That's an incredible solution. If you've had the problem of addiction, which I've been since 11 to 12 years old to 36 in this life, for that problem not to exist for me anymore is a pretty damn big demonstration. But how it stabilizes is when it doesn't exist as you. When you are not identified as a self, then the problem does not exist as you anymore, and your experience here is it doesn't exist for you. That, to me, is freedom. That's worth the name of solution. And it invigorates itself. When the mind's entertaining, it keeps entertaining. Sense that presence, because the presence really is based on your absence. When you're fully yourself, the presence seems absent, because you're present, yeah? But you're inherently absent. That's the good news. You are inherently absent as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So therefore, the presence is absolute, because the absence is absolute. You're inherently absent. It's not a conditional or circumstantial absence that something you did caused you to be absent. You are inherently absent of being a solid, independent entity. Yes? In that inherent absence, inherent means it's a fact, right? It's the way it is. Therefore, the presence is absolute. So it's, in, it's by your absence that the presence is, is sensed. When you want to be there, when you're absent, that's the problem. Because you can't, like, sort of like, you hear about a great party, but every time you get there, it sucks, yeah? That's because it's you got there. Yeah? <laughs> that's the dilemma. <laughs> it's, it's the you that's ruining the party. <laughs> so your and my absence is the presence. When you're up self's ass, then the self is present, and what presence is seems to be absent. It can't be absent, but it seems to be absent to you. Yeah, it seems to be absent to you. So. Any questions, then? That's great. <laughs> See, the thing with this is, if I sat here and described the ocean, let's say, all night, and it would really be beautiful, and we could have some poetry readings about the ocean, and we could have some visual depictions of the ocean, and we'd all sit here, and we'd have a great feeling, maybe, yeah? But ha- what would be having a feeling would be a, a wave, in a sense, yeah? If the identification with a wave was in place... No matter how much you learn about the ocean, knowing the ocean won't be, you won't be the ocean, because you're already a wave, yes? This message isn't about describing the ocean, it's questioning the wave. Because if you're not a wave, that's the ocean, yes? If you're not a wave, that's the ocean, immediately. It's not the long process of a wave 
through great work and desiring, going through these huge wave-like practices to become the ocean. It's not that. It's like, you're the ocean. <laughs> and you are always the ocean. And you will, and you were never a wave, and that's that. <laughs> so this whole point isn't to describe oneness; it's to describe twoness, with the hopes that you'll see you're not that, and then the sense of oneness will be there, obviously where it's always been. Yeah, right where you are right now. It's not shipped in; it's not moved in; it's there, but it's not being seen. Because it's being looked for. And we're questioning, all right, who or what is that looker? If you're not that, that's the beginning of seeing, in a sense. Yeah. So for me, it's always seeing what I'm not, is that's what I am. I am the seeing of what I'm not. I'm not the seer of what I'm not. I'm the seeing of what I'm not. It's very different. You get a lot of notes there, Giselle. Can you, do you have enough light there? Yeah, good. <laughs> Let me read those notes again. <laughs> I don't know. Any questions, or we're going to end it soon? I hate the park. Oh, all right. All right. Yes. Yes. It's the mysterious Allison. We lost you the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, sometimes you've mentioned, you know, this might be part of your journey. Say, keeping a schedule is just important for you somehow. So that just important yeah, for yeah. you. says that? I don't know. It just feels like that sometimes. Well, instead of worrying about the outside, just ask who is it that's feeling that. That may be more helpful. Yeah? Because if it isn't you, there won't be so much in that feeling. There won't be so much meaning. Yes? The meaning, mind gives meaning. That's what we do, right? What meaning gives us. So you and I give everything all the meaning it has. So, there's one modality that a lot of meaning is given from, which is self-centeredness. Yeah? So, in other words, a lot of importance and meaning is given to things based on what it would mean to the self, the idea of self. So instead of trying to go through all this, let's just question the one center of it all, the self, yeah? the idea of being a self. If you're not that, then the meanings it's giving about life will be less important to you. Yeah? And maybe you'll be able to see that right where you are is the seat assignment you're in. Yeah? It's like we're in a big thing of musical chairs. This doesn't have like an engraved my name on it. Paul had him in. This is his permanent seat assignment. <laughs> this is like musical chairs. Right now, this is the seat assignment. And once you're in the seat assignment, you'll know. Yeah, it just it it, it inform. It's clear. Yeah? But the music can start, and I may have to get up. And then, you know, someone else may sit here, and I'll be sitting somewhere else, yes? 
It's, it's, there's no noun involved in it. It's just movement, 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 movement. And the important thing is really what's seeing, not what's being done. Yeah? The seeing of it is the joy. Yeah? The smallest little thing can be done and produce a huge amount of joy if it's being done from the seeing. Yeah. And sometimes, in the, in the form of looking, the biggest thing can be done and it produces an emptiness in that, in that modality of self-centered looking. But seeing the tiniest little thing can produce a huge amount of joy, supposedly. Because it's in the seeing of it, not the doing of it, really. Yeah? Yeah. See, in a way, when the intention's on the seeing this, the days seem to lose their singular, singular importance. Yeah? It almost becomes like a never-ending moment. It just has its undulation and stuff like that. But the same context is always there. So you get like a, a, a great sense of uh, familiarity that every day can be unknown. Yeah, But the familiarity is resting in the context, not relying on the content. <laughs> yeah, It's like resting in the context because in a sense there's a sameness of presence. Yeah, It's like always available at all times. And so all the meaning that the mind gave to particulars and what it would mean to me if I did this or didn't do this and what's it going to mean to me later and all this stuff, which is just ways of just of importance being just grown in selfing quite a lot, yeah? A lot of that is dismissed because what the value lies is in what's always so. And that's not getting increased or decreased. It cannot be made better by you nor worse by you. Yeah? In a sense, you have total irrelevance as a self in that. Yeah? That's the joy of it. Yeah? In other words, being, if it is complete, doesn't have a huge urge to become constantly. It's quite okay. It, has a, it may have a huge drive to express, but that's different than becoming. Yeah? It will express its being, but it's not trying to produce its being. Yeah? It's different. Selfing's always trying to produce self. Being isn't trying to produce being. It already is. It's expressing being. It's a different like modality in a way. And the mind will respond to whatever modality it's laying on. If it's laying on selfing, it's going to be agitated. It's going to be put into a position of seeking because it's trying to seek completion which can never be completed. It wants to become a self. And it can't. It can only appear to be a self. It can never cross the line from appearance to being real because it's already something. Or actually, it's already nothing. Yeah? But being doesn't have any of that drive because it is. Yeah. Complete in and of itself. Maybe with a little urge to express. And using this format of manifestation to express in. And to express through. Yeah? But it's not attempting to achieve itself through that. Because it's already complete. There's no, there's no being hidden somewhere. That it has to go through a giant like trial and tribulation. I found the seventh you know, bag of being. and I got three more to go. Then I'll be! You know? It's not a noble endeavor. It's just expressing. It may express it. It may look like that. But it will be taken very, very less seriously than if you were looking for being. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> This is just mind shifting. And mind is going to express what it's resting on. Yes? 
If it's resting on selfing, it's in addiction to time, and it's going to have expectations about things in the hopes that they will fulfill you. Yes? And then you'll probably be disappointed because they never seem to do what you expected them to do. Or they don't look like you expected them to look like. And you don't, it doesn't feel like you thought it was going to be. Because the mind is conceptualizing becoming because it can never be. This other way, in being, you find out. And what you find out, it's just being. Yeah? It's not trying to achieve any completion or rise to a certain level. It just is. Yeah? And to me, that produces an incredible mental rest. The engines of seeking finally get turned off because there is no seeker. I have no idea. If I did, I'd try to change it, probably. It's a bad career choice. <laughs> I'm meant to become obsolete. That's If I do my job really good, I won't have anyone coming. <laughs> it's like almost like social suicide. <laughs> no, no. I have no idea. Just this happened, it happened and gotten momentum, and I'm just in the seat assignment. That's it. I just show up, because I'm asked. Yeah? And I have a drive. I, I, uh, I honor it, that's all. What's been revealed as me is, is, is worthy of a huge honoring. And I'm actually, basically, literally on my knees every day because of the uh, immensity of what is happening here, actually. It's pretty mind-blowing. I mean, one second of seeing the original face, like they say in Zen, can erase 40 years of time blackboards that your mental condition has scribbled on and tried to put so much meaning in. They're erased like that as if they were never so. That's the power of this. Yeah, This is an appearance that's blown away. It has no roots. It has no reality. It's blows away. Yeah? But what's so is so. And it's mind. And you are there. It is functioning right now through this apparatus. And because this apparatus has consciousness, you can be conscious of it. Yeah? But not as you. But I hope as consciousness. Yeah? If it's you that's conscious of it, you won't be conscious of it. Because it will be based on you playing God. I will be, I won't be. I won't be, I will be. But if your consciousness, that stabilizes. It stabilizes. Yeah? You be conscious of the presence. Consciousness will never forget the consciousness of, the, of that presence. Ever. It never has, nor ever it will. It's not in time. It's only the mental process that forgets and remembers. And it only remembers to forget again. Yeah? and write huge stories about what it was like when I remembered it, and what it's like now that I forgot it, and a huge, noble, I've got to get back to where I was. It's all, it's all gymnastics in like a time circus, a time-space circus. But the space and the, uh, the tense are the same. It's context. It's always available at all times. Yeah. So, um, speak of suicide. Speak of suicide. 
What do you mean? When did you last? Oh, I never had it. I never attempted suicide. No, I was just talking about social suicide with this as a career choice. Because I'm meant to be obsolete. Yes? But I've had two suicides in my family. My brother and my sister killed themselves. So, I, uh, I've been close to it. What I saw in those situations is circumstances overwhelmed them. That's what happened. And it just took time enough for it to become intolerable. Yeah? Once it reached a point there were certain conditions on it. And for me, my brother made a condition that if the next operation didn't work, he was going to take his life. And the next operation didn't work, and he take, took his life. Yeah. My sister was an alcoholic who uh, lost the ability to control her drinking, and she overdosed on pills while drunk. Vedanta. Vedanta, yeah. yeah. And I've sort of been looking through some of it, and it's not that far off what you're, you're speaking about right here, but there's a lot of uh, kind of intricate systems that are woven into it. Yeah. And I kind of got into it, but it kind of felt like you know, this is going to take a lot of work to kind of stay with. Yeah. And I just wonder if you had any kind of brush with that or any feeling about That's it. my same feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. But I know I don't know. I like the. Uh, I would just start with the like the relaxed dog shit awareness. That's just normal everyday <laughs> being here, and see where that takes you. It may fuel an interest in other things. It may not. You may be just fine, just as it seems to be now. Yeah. But I take my directions from that, and I, I don't have any desire to improve this whatsoever. I really feel the biggest freedom I've been I've received is the need. I've been freed from the need to be liberated. <laughs> I have no need to be liberated. <laughs> Not one iota of a need. <laughs> I could care less, really. <laughs> I think all those are ways of being. I don't know. It just seems. I I recognize mine. Look at this, really. I'm, you know, many of us have gone through New Age stuff, and you know, there is a. I don't know if it's still popular, but there was a big, a lot of books about how to get into the moment. Yes, how to be better in the moment. How to be really, really in the moment, you know, <laughs> how to really, really, really be in the moment, yeah? But I believe you can't be out of the moment. <laughs> you are the moment, yeah? So the point of getting in the moment would be a way of expressing a belief you can't, you, that you could be out of the moment, yeah? That's what I see. I see a lot of seeking to get in something is a form of being out of it, yeah? <laughs> I do. And the same in other processes, they want to get out of self, but they're the where they, they're talking about self the most in all these things where they're trying to get out of it. Right? But I don't believe you can be in it. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of movement to get out of what you can't be in and to get into what you can't be out of. And I think that's just not two examples. I believe the mind's way here is usually like, you ever see DC Comics' Bizarro World, where everything's the opposite? You ever see that Seinfeld thing where George starts using the opposite instead of not asking the girl out he does, and he keeps getting yes, and he can't, hey, I finally found the way to live. I just do exactly the opposite of what I'm thinking. Well, 
in a way, that's what works, in a sense. Because you have to see the mind's idea of being in something is actually a form of believing it to be out of something. Yes? Which is insane. To me, that's a level of playing God. That's what the selfing does. So, how could I? How more can I get into this moment? <laughs> I mean, I'm completely here, <laughs> and I don't think I've ever been out of every any moment I've ever been in. I don't really. I don't see it. If I'm thinking about the future, it's happening now. If I'm reminiscing about the past, it's happening now. I can't escape the parameters of now. No matter how much I try. And then, how can I, why do I want to get out of something I can't be in? That's what I love about the message. It's absolute in a level. It doesn't say you were once in and you can't be back in. It says there's nothing to ever have been in. There is no thing self. All there is is self thing. It's the appearance of being a self. You can never move into the self. It's an appearance of being one. Yeah? I actually had a look at it too. It's actually a system of removing ignorance. So it's Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. To see, to me, a description of what we're not is very valuable. If it's capped with, you're not that. I've seen groups where they practice, there's an old Sufi thing called the Enneagram. Yeah? I don't know if you're not. Sufis is a mystical uh, uh, part of, of Islam. Yeah, so, no, it doesn't matter. What he did is in the 12th century, I think they produced a system where they could recognize the basic characteristics of every human being. Yeah, like in other words, like looking at all the Fords in the world, they came up with the the, the, the nine basic Ford models, and then there was like coupes and station wagons. So they two. So they made 27. So basically, you go into these retreats to find out about being a Ford, in a sense. Yeah? What happens is people go in there, and they find out being a Ford, a number seven Ford, and then they start, they leave, and they say, I'm a seven! I'm a seven! But the, the information about being a seven is that you're not a seven. That's the information. The information about how a Ford drives, how it smells, how it turns, so then you go, oh, I turn like that, I smell like that, I drive like that, oh, I'm a Ford, okay, and you're not. You see? You're not. The Ford can be described, you cannot be described. You've been identified as an object that can be described, you are not an object. You are indescribable. So please bring on the information. Bring on everything about me that can be revealed because it's going to distill into I'm not that. It's not something I'm going to acquire and then know myself. I'm going to f- hear it and then be what I am. Yeah? That's the whole point of knowledge. For me, it distills into one bit of information. I am not that. So when something describes something very, very like stock, you know, very, very normal, very ordinary, like a dime a dozen, and I, when I'm hearing it, it feels like me, you know, there's a real sense of personalness that's being described, and everyone else is going, "Uh aha, like there's a real sense of their personalness. It's not personal. We come from a factory of Fords where they made them a certain day and a certain time. That's why you drive like that. 
<laughs> That's why you smell like that. That's why you turn like that. That's why you break like that. Oh, shit. I wanted to be a Cadillac. Well, you're neither of them. But people want to deny being a Ford, and then they drive like a Ford every day. Why not just say, all right, I'm a Ford, and then have a little bit of a Kappa, and I'm not that. That's what you get stuck with being an alcoholic. I don't want to admit I'm an alcoholic. You admit to your innermost self that you're an alcoholic, and in that admittance, the alcoholism diminishes. But while you're denying that, you're acting like an alcoholic every second of the freaking day. So, do I believe I'm an alcoholic? No. So I can easily admit that I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm an alcoholic. <gasps> I thought, you, how can you say that? That's not non-duality. Give me a fucking break. If you're stuck on the letter of the law, you're going to miss the spirit of the law. It's like alcohol. It's like advice of Pharisees. You know what I mean? It's like non-dual dueling. <laughs> you know, let's say the perfect thing. You may speak it, but you're not living it. Living is much different. Living is sloppy. How much speaking do you encourage in, when you're working with people who have these stories that define, or that they think define them, um, stories of addiction or, or stories of trauma? Is there a space for allowing people to... Or I, just, I wonder if you were talking about someone like Aaron, Speaking your, your, of your trauma and putting it out there can be therapeutic, cathartic, but I also know there's the temptation to get really attached to that story and have yeah. it be the thing that defines you. And so I guess, you know, when you're working with people in the world of addiction, do you allow space for that? Is, is there a space for validating or honoring that story and then saying, okay, let's... It's probably a moment-to-moment situation. I don't have any rote... Uh, way of going about it. You just feel into it. Yeah? But I know if someone's in a consequential level, as if their house is on fire and they're burning up, yes, I'm not going to f- philosophize about there is no house and there is no fire. I'm going to seek, I'm going to assist them in getting a pail of water, yes, so that the fire can be put out. And then when the fire is put out, maybe we can talk about these other things. But no, I have a, my job in AA is different. To, uh, it's to bring this message to other suffering alcoholics. It doesn't say to bring my message. It's this message. And it's about a message of recovery, yes? Now, I fundamentally believe the root of disease is the addiction of mind to the idea of being a self. But that may not be the priority of every time I'm speaking to somebody. Yeah? I'm just being used, however appropriately that is, yeah? because I'm available. Yeah? I'm present and I'm available, therefore I'm of service. And how that service takes a form or looks is different, quite a lot of different ways, based on who I'm hanging out with. Yeah? Yeah. I know some people, they're too smart for recovery. They are. It would be better if they were dumbed down. They know too much. Yeah? They know too much. And they think they're above just taking actions. When basically the actions is going to be have the biggest effect on them. Yes? You read into people, that's all. That's all you do. But I know for me, service is very important. It's sort of like a lifeblood. It keeps everything moving. Because in recovery, we have it by giving it away. Yes? And I believe that's about all of living. 
It's an expression, not an achieving or acquiring. It's an expression. And how you have the expression is by expressing. <laughs> yes? No, no, you hold the space big time. In other words, I'm sitting there with someone. I'm sitting there with someone. <laughs> yeah. My mind isn't everywhere else. I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully in, in a certain certainty about something, and that gets across, yeah, without words. Something gets conveyed. Like what you speak, what you what you are speaks louder than what you say, so to speak. That's all the statements. So, what you are speaks louder than what you say. What you say, hopefully, its only purpose is to convey what what you are. Yeah? And with that, maybe when someone else hears it, it produces a sense of a possibility that they may be what they are, other than what they're thinking they are. Yeah. And all it is is I have total faith in mind. All you need is a little catalyst, a little invitation, a little suggestion. And once that ball starts rolling, it can build a huge momentum. Yeah? But the mind, in identification itself, its ability to entertain has been incredibly curtailed because it can entertain only as a self now. Yeah? So when it entertains being okay, it's in time. It's I will be okay. It, doesn't ent- ent- it can't entertain okayness, it entertains okayness as an effect produced by circumstances and situations, yes? So this is, let's say, if we can enter, if we can give something else for the mind to entertain, which is, I'm not that, <laughs> if I'm not the idea of being a self, then its ability to entertain is freed, and now it starts entertaining out of a timeless place, where it's okay now, yes? The sense isn't put off as, a, as something to achieve or arrive at. You are that, yeah? Yeah, the immediacy of it drops in, and it totally overrides all the value the thought system puts into time. The immediacy of this moment is is the most convincing statement that can that can back down all the bullshit of time thinking. <coughs> Just being present here. Yes, this doesn't say a damn thing. This silence is a lot louder than all that chattering of there and then. It's unbelievable because it is. Yes, it is. It has one. See, what's not happening, anything can happen. Yes? If it's not happening, anything can happen. Whatever your mind can come up with, you could have cancer next week. You could be destitute. Your girlfriend may be sleeping with someone right now while you're doing this talk. Your mind can go into thousands of ideas about what's not happening. Yes? Now, does it have that possibility? But it has one quality what's not happening doesn't have. And that is, it's happening. Yes? That one simple quality overrides all the weight of what's not happening. That one quality cannot be possessed by what's not happening, cannot be hijacked by what's not happening, cannot be claimed by what's not happening. It shines in and of itself because it is happening and is the greatest immunity to disease that is produced by what's not happening. Yes? The simple fact that it is, it doesn't have to say anything else. This is being anchored here. And there you have immunity to there and then. And then you'll find out how you'd be of use. I don't have a road answer for anything I've ever run into. Yeah? Anything I've ever run into. I don't know how it's going to come out or what's going to be said. Yes? You just get something triggers and something's... You find out. <laughs> you watch it occur. And it's like... 
Yeah. And after it's convic- your conviction, in a sense, comes from its constant delivering of the goods. Most of us are living on an advertising system, yes? I will be okay. Once I do this and get there, I'll, I'll finally... You know what I mean? You see, how many people are living for an arrival date? They have a belief that if I get this and I finish this semester and I do that, and then somehow I'm going to arrive and I'm going to feel complete while every moment I'm feeling incomplete until that mythical completion. Yes? What happens when you arrive? You take off again immediately. The mind seeks and seeks and seeks and seeks and is never going to stop seeking. This is the place to land and you've already landed. This is the place where all takeoffs occur and you've already taken off. This is it now. No, do it. As we're talking, I'm thinking about this campaign. Um, it will get better that if it's been targeted toward um, youth dealing with bullying and, and ostrac- being ostracized because of uh, being gay or lesbian. And, you know, recently we've had in, in Ottawa a 15 year old took his life a couple weeks ago. And that, that whole message of it will get better um, for this kid, you know, 15, thinking that by, he had to wait 18 years for it to get better, it was just overwhelming for him, and I'm realizing now how kind of crazy a, a proposition that is to suggest that that's how you deal with who you are and what you are by just saying it's going to get better. I don't know, I, just, I don't think that that's necessarily the message that I would want to send. I'm yes. in that position as a teacher to be supportive of kids who are dealing with this kind of well, I'll tell you, you know, I mean, if the primary disease isn't addressed, all the other diseases will keep coming and going like high and low tides, yeah? But they're never never going to stop reaching the shore of appearances here. It's in, you know, because what's causing them is not being addressed, in my sense. And I saw it in alcoholism and recovery. When I switched from... It's my mind that's driving me crazy is the problem, too. I'm identified as that which is driving me crazy. Once I, when that shift occurred, then I got radical relief. I mean, a very large shift of mind and emphasis. And so I knew that was the truth for me because of the results, yes? And then everything else, all the other diseases, all the seeking, all the other ways I was addicted in some way, dried up because they all stem from that. They stem from that incessant irritability, restlessness, and discontent in constantly being in a process of, of fulfilling, but never being able to be fulfilled. You m- will never be a self. It's not going to happen. Yeah? Produces an unbelievable irritability, restlessness, and discontent that demands uh, attention. So seeking becomes a fact of life here. And yet, people have a belief that if they found the right thing, they'd stop. But I've noticed people who have found an incredible solution, and they kept on seeking. The seeking has a life of its own. It just keeps seeking. (laughs) So I don't know. I have a great faith in mind. I'm just here to drop a couple of drops of gas in that carburetor. The ignition is there, the key's there, the wheels are there, every the ability to drive is available. It just needs a little bit of a
catalyst. Once the engine turns over, I don't stand there and pour more gas in. That would flood it, yes? This is what an invitation is. This is what a message is. The way that message will be defined and expressed by you may be another way of life, yeah? But to me, the message, that is in this job to provide a way of life. It's to provide illumination for whatever way of life you're in. That's what it is. To me. It's about illumination. Not an artificial, like a natural illumination. So wherever you are, you will be your own beacon in a sense, yes? You will outshine circumstances and situations. And you don't know. We have a meet. This was just. I want to use this as a last thing. I'm in a. I'm in this this community of recovery, and there was a man where I lived who was the last living person in our area that knew the original founders of AA. Yeah, he used to play cards with the two guys. He died. He had 56 years. I think sobriety. So his people who had worked with him in the program that they call you the sponsor and sponsee. Yes, seven of his sponsees put this this benefit together, a memorial, and there's about 350 people there. So at the end of it, they asked, they said, the seven sponsors said, anyone who's been, who was sponsored by Dick, this is the guy who passed away, stand up. So about 10 more people stood up, right? So now there's 17 people stood up. Then they said, all right, everyone who was sponsored by any of these people standing up, stand up. Then 40 other people stood up. Then they asked anyone who was sponsored by any of these people who just stood up. And then 70 more people stood up. So here's one guy, Dick, Yes? His influence geometrically progressed from 7 to 20 to 50 to 90. That's what it's like. If you're holding the space of what is convict, convicted, not convicted, the conviction of that, that certainty, it reverberates here. Knowing it or not, the energy is making an impression. Yes? Can't even see anyone back there. <laughs> I see a blonde head somewhere. They're waving. That's good. That's good. So, uh, yes. In terms of setting goals, so you have to start with D instead of just which is not goal. You have to start. You have to start with D instead of seeing that there is a space. Said? Is there no space between the aim and the point of what well, that's, I don't know. It's like uh, what I, in other words, what I mean is that when you set goals, you have to just uh, believe that you have already just uh, reached there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess what I would, what I, only thing I'd say about goals, if that's the predilection of the action figure, is just wear them loosely if you think you have any say about them. Yeah? Like in AA, we say, you know, you suit up and show up, but you let go of the results. Yeah? You know what I mean? In other words, I just show up and suit up, and what happens is what happens. If you have an expectation, it's never going to fit the expectation. So it's best to uh, 
just suit up and show up and let go of the results. But see, when you're in the act of fulfilling, it's difficult. But in rest, it isn't at all. Because you're complete already. <laughs> you're not a trying to find completion by anything. You're just, it's just more of a seeking of expression, not a finding completion. Yeah. And if something, see, if you have a lot of importance that something is the way you're supposed to seek expression, and it starts going wrong, you'll be easily able to move on to another way. Instead, when you have an expectation, you may hold on to a dead horse and keep on trying to gallop. Maybe it's not the horse you should be on. Yes? This allows you to get off and try something new. The rigidity doesn't come from what you're going towards. It's the mind. The mind setting things up. It has to be this way. Who says that? <laughs> you know? So I don't know. It's just... It's like, let, you know, like there was an old statement, wear life like a loose garment, you know. Wear your dreams loosely, it's, better. it's a better way to go. If you think you have any free will around you. Yeah. That's a whole other thing you don't want to talk about. Yeah? But the sense here now, isn't there a nice sense in the room? Isn't it like the nice oasis? some jam on you. <laughs> Whipped cream. <laughs> no, you don't need to eat me, honey. You're already full. You really are. It's just, you're just having fun doing what you're doing. Yeah. This is how I heard it. I heard it just like this, in a way. But I couldn't even hear the person. She didn't speak loud. She's from Eastern Europe and was outside. And so... I didn't really pick up almost anything she said, but my mind was was already excited about the possibility before it even heard the possibility. It was just waiting to hear the possibility. And when I heard it, it was like an unspoken yes quickly. It just made sense. And actually, over time, it's proven to be the last answer I've heard. Yeah. It just made an impact, and then I just entertained it. And I like that word, entertain. It's sort of like, you know how you entertain things. You're not really doing much. It's just sort of like you're walking around, entertaining the space, looking things out. And uh, I did that. And if I read a book about this information and something I read really uh, stopped my mind, I would pause there. And then just, what the hell? And when, the, when they put out the statement that you are not the doer of your actions, that was cause for a very huge pause. Yeah? Because that's the whole underlying crux of my story, <laughs> that I'm the doer of my life. If that's taken away, whose life would it be anyway? And that was a very good question, yeah? Because I could see all the linchpins of the storyline, and the doer is one of the big ones. And then I just walked around, I heard different people share, and then uh, 
I had had the moments that they talk about, like the awakening moments, but my mind had re-coagulated after them. And <laughs> just like a speed bump just went right over them. But this time was more like a dying from the inside out, like D-Y-E, not dying dead, but like when you change the color of a of garment. But it was like coming from the inside out. And so it was almost like, in a way, I feel that, that great saying in the New Testament, like a thief in the night. Yeah, you don't, didn't expect it to enter this way, because it didn't enter, yeah? It just moved out, and then it just moved out, and then things that were being entertained became so, you know what I mean? They took on a solid uh, meaning, and then the calibration of the mind shifted from thing to no thing a little bit. I don't even know how much, but it was enough to change the balance of the life, yeah? And I actually truly got, I am not a self, and I lost interest in that. My mind lost interest in that preoccupation because it wasn't about it anymore. Really, that's what happened. There's not magic that ha- ever happened to me. I didn't do anything to break the interest in it other than to entertain that I wasn't that. And when I, when my mind entertained it, it came to be so. And the energy, the interest and attention, that is the bonding element of this, to the idea of being a self. Left. The self. I don't know where it went. I don't think it went anywhere, yeah, because I think it's in, a, in it's from no thingness, and it is of no thingness, interest and attention. So it's just now in its true home, which is quote-unquote everywhere. So if I ask someone asked me, point, point to you, I could point this way, this way, this way, and they'd all be valid, yeah? I don't feel like I'm located in a physical structure. Like when I close my eyes, and people close their eyes, do you see like the back of your cheek, and you think you end there? You know, like, this is it, you know? Like when they say that kingdom of heaven is within you, it'd be a rather small kingdom if it was in this. There'd be no parking whatsoever. But I don't think he's talking about you as a body. I would be thinking he's talking about you as I, yeah? And everything is in the, the kingdom. Everything is in I. Everything is in the context. Even what you call the kingdom of heaven is in that context, but not you as a body. So that stuff saw it, and then when I read the big book of AA, it totally changed the book. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. My mind had shifted, and when I read it, I saw that self is a foreign installment. It's, alcoholism is like a mental parasite. It's like, a, it's like a, a mental entity that has taken over many possibilities called us, and has used us to express through. Yeah? And I believe that's happening quite a lot. A lot of mental winds are blowing that find expression through this little flute. Yes? They can't appear here, but they can appear here through us. So anger and jealousy and cruelty and compassion and love, they're all seeking expression here. Some are more more attracted to that selfing than others. Compassion and love, I'd say, is more attracted to centeredness, not self-centeredness. Yes? And then you, you know the tree by the fruit. You see what's moving through. And then you get a sense of what's so for you. Yeah? It's, all, it's, you know, it's like that. What attract, it's sort of like like attracts like. A certain, certain small, very very uh, crude system attracts small and crude mental winds in a way. A larger, more expansive system seems to attract larger, more expansive winds. 
And your life is really what is expressed through it, isn't it? You know, it's not acquiring or achieving or having. It's what has moved through and made a splash here. Yeah? I would say. Like a living engagement that's never unengaged, just constantly expressing. Well, I know what the winds that were called by selfing and what were fanned by selfing, and I know what they're like, and I'd rather not have them move through this or anyone else, actually. I'd just rather not see that happen. And you know what? There's a a possibility of that being so. If you're not that, you'll be occupied by something else. You You will. You want to call it the spirit, you want to call it whatever. But it won't be as cruel and as vindictive and as petty as that system of thought called self-centeredness. It will show, it has a lot different other attributes and expressions that will come through, you know. Neither of them are you, but it feels a lot better when the ones are coming through as they're coming through now, yeah? Yeah, so, yes. Uh, Is that it? Enough's enough. I'm happy to see you. Thanks for coming again. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's what do we do now. Do we want to play our poem from the 10-year-old? Yes? You want to do that? All right. Our, our sound engineer will come. <laughs> this is a lovely poem that Zila brought, a beautiful one by a 10-year-old. It's pretty nice. So. It's only two minutes, so don't worry. It'll take up much time. Three minutes. Bridesmaids. He's trying to play. We were trying watching the movie here last night. <laughs> I don't know if that soundtrack would be appropriate for this uh, meeting. It could be. You got a lot of copies of it now. Eh? Good. Oh, yeah, they're great. I think they're great. Oh, we have it.
I have no place. I have no name. I have no face. I have no shame. I am a wall made of strong bricks. I am a magician with many tricks. I am an ocean made of rain. I am a track that holds a chain. I am darkness. I am light. I am the stars that sparkle so bright. I am, and I am not, everyone and in everything around me. I be, and I do not be. I am there, but can you see? I am nothing. I am everything too. I live in eternity and I live within you. My being is in you. You are a part of me. My soul is in yours and together we be. I am a piano with so many keys. Unlock the melodies playing in me. I am a picture painted with all colours. I am a butterfly in the sky I flutter. I am the skies. I am the sea. I have no eyes, but I can see. I am a flame that burns eternally. I am a being, being all I can be. Broken dreams I can mend. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am a sky creature, a pigeon, a dove. I am an emotion, and I am love. I am a sea creature, within me the oceans lie. I am the exalted, I am the most high. I am a flower, the petals, the pods, I am the scent, and I am God. Hallelujah!